Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guests are Mike Jajow and Connor Saley, the founders of Waterboy. Waterboy offers hangover recovery and sports recovery hydration packets that have all natural formulas and ingredients targeted to help with dehydration, nausea, and more. Compared to Liquid IV, for example, Waterboy has more electrolytes, more vitamin B12 and vitamin C, with less calories and no sugar. In this episode, Mike and Connor chat about their journey to entrepreneurship, growing the Waterboy team, how the company's unique approach to social media marketing has benefited them, and future plans for growing and scaling their business. Let's get into the show. Before we get into all things Waterboy, I'd love to just get a little bit of background on each of you and how you got started in entrepreneurship. So I grew up in Albania, small country in Europe, moved to the U.S. when I was 10. And I felt like probably entrepreneurship started a little bit ingrained in that culture there, just because there's not a lot of opportunity, more or less you have to create it. And I always liked the idea of figuring out ways to like problem solve or maybe make my own money. In middle school, I would sell lollipops to friends. And then in high school, I was like sourcing goods from like Alibaba and selling them on eBay. That was probably the start of it. And then that got me really interested in business. Went to UT to study finance. And after college, I worked in a traditional finance job. A year later, I decided it wasn't for me. I quit that job and then started an app with two friends. The whole idea was to like make an app where people can create and share workouts. A year later, I broke off on my own. And for the next like five years, I built a company where we created fitness apps for fitness influencers. Did that until March of 2020. Ended up selling it to like a very small private equity group. And then had the idea for Waterboy a bit out of a personal need. At the time I was introduced to Connor, uh, we got together and then like made it happen from there. Awesome. From lollipops to now, that's quite a journey. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess my story is more from uh, wrapping paper to to where we are now. <laughs> but when I was um, when I was younger in elementary school, they used to have these fundraisers where you'd go around selling wrapping paper. Oh yeah, to I had to do that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like just so into it. And I remember in fifth grade, I like disappeared from home, and my parents actually called the police because they thought I was like stolen or taken away. And I had just been selling to every house in the neighborhood for like eight hours and uh, ended up winning. To me, that was kind of like the start of being interested in kind of like almost being like a salesman, like wanting to go off and do my own thing in a way and went to college, ended up working at Goldman Sachs out of college. And I just feel like even when I was there, I knew that ultimately I wanted to do my own thing at some point. I like wasn't happy there, wasn't happy working for someone else, just really wanted to do my own thing and like create cool things that I would also use. One thing led to another, but eventually quit. And 
after like a little bit of a hiatus in my life, started a gummy vitamin business, ended up selling that and then met Mike kind of around the same time I was selling that business. And like he said, just kind of started working on Waterboy and it's where we are now. Mm -hmm. I love the childhood stories. That's so cool how both of you were like doing your thing from a young age. Yeah, it's interesting thinking back on those moments now because I feel like in the moment you don't really realize, you know, what that leads to or kind of like what it's uh, almost like pushing you towards in a way. But it's interesting now thinking of like where we both are now and like, oh, Mm -hmm. I can kind of see like how I got here a little bit from like stuff I was interested in earlier in life. Yeah. Were either of your parents entrepreneurs just out of curiosity? Um, mine were not. In fact, they were both uh, engineers. And I think they like really pushed education on my sister and I. And I think they probably were hoping that I would have gone more of a technical route, whether that was like engineering or computer software. So, you know, they were probably not the happiest to know, like I was going on entrepreneurship because even to them at, at some point, it was like, oh, wow, this is kind of risky. You're leaving like a career that's paying you well, that you've worked really hard to get up until this point. But I knew it was something that didn't make me happy. And um, I didn't want to do it just for like the money at that point. Yeah, yeah. For me, my dad kind of like worked his way up the ladder for many years. And now he he runs a company and he has for the last like 15 plus years. And I think growing up, I got to almost like shadow him a lot of ways. And I feel like I had access to a lot of stuff that I'm like very fortunate to seeing just like how he would operate a business. And I feel like that almost made me want to just be in his shoes versus go through that whole ladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that that's kind of like probably where a lot of my interests stem just in like wanting to be my own boss in a way yeah um, you were like how can I just skip the ladder and fly yeah, the yeah, exactly and that wasn't really possible to do at mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs I will say that <laughs> yeah well speaking of finance you both pivoted from that industry to later starting and then selling your own respective companies can you tell me more about that time like how it prepared you to launch Waterboy maybe some lessons learned that have really benefited you now I would say probably looking backwards like what finance helped me with the most is maybe how to approach certain problems structure thought also like my first job out of college for finance was investment banking so you're working probably 100 hour work weeks so it does teach you like working hard discipline uh, corporate politics I think it probably like just really sharpened problem solving skills sometimes too, like figuring out what I didn't like almost helped me push me towards areas that I did like yeah, I would add too, it's just, I think it's helpful working in a corporate environment just to like figure out how to work in teams and work towards like a common objective. So I think that's been fairly helpful just as we kind of like run this and like direct other people as well. And then there's like little things like even making like pitch decks and stuff like Mike had to put a pitch deck together the other day. And like that was kind of the bulk of working in investment banking and finance is like doing those things. So I think those little things have made some stuff a lot easier for us now. And then I think the last thing too, having a couple years of a job like that, which I feel like is a fairly like well-respected career to be in, I think gives like a decent amount of credibility just to like the two of us and what we're doing versus if we had just like jumped straight into this out of college. I think when you have conversations with some people down the road, it, it becomes like a bit tougher if you haven't had any other experience or like, a bigger name kind of kind of under your belt. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I think that's important for people to hear too, if they're like wanting to eventually do something on their own, but are in a job that they 
maybe don't love whether they realize it or not like everything you're doing at that time can prepare you for what's coming next exactly for those unfamiliar with your brand can you tell listeners what waterboy is and what led you to create the company you want me to do it? Yeah, I think you you got the pitch. Now. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, the product started out of a personal need. It was more of, hey, whenever I go out with friends and the night gets away from me, what am I having the next morning? And it was either liquid IV or Pedialyte. And I felt like those products did an okay job at replacing electrolytes. But to me, if I were to make a product specifically for that, I would add ingredients that they didn't because our our focus was a bit more narrow. So the initial flagship product was, hey, let's just create a better way to recover from a hangover by putting ingredients in there to help with like nausea, anxiety, fatigue, in addition to hydration. With time, as we went down that business, we realized like just because we like to go out and have fun doesn't necessarily mean we don't value our health and work out. So then our next product was let's make a better way to recover from like a workout or an activity that dehydrates us. It was more of that premise of we have hydration as a central thesis, but let's add function to that hydration around specific use cases rather than make like one general product that does an average job across the board. Got it. So it's more tailored to what you were needing, more tailored to your customer needs, and then obviously better for you ingredients. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And then how did you, you guys come together to take the first steps to launch the business and get it off the ground? Yeah. So funny enough, we actually met through a mutual friend who we were both kind of romantically interested in at one point <laughs> in our lives, but it didn't work out between us and, and that individual, but it, you know, we, we found each other. So that's all that matters. But Mike had this idea. We just started meeting at like the local coffee shop and kind of just got like connected with the right people, found the right people to talk to. And then really just spent like, as we were working on the product, equally important, if not more important, was working on, okay, how are we going to market this? And we spent like a very long time just trying to figure out like the best strategy, honestly, probably two, two plus months, just working on the marketing and like what channels we wanted to use. So that's really kind of like how we got it off the ground, but it was just like figuring out, okay, how are we going to make it? What do we want to put in it? Who can help us formulate it? All of those pieces. And then once those pieces were in place and like moving forward, it was like, okay, let's just shift our focus to like strategizing and how are we going to actually like sell this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I do want to get into like the formulation and the marketing, which you just brought up, but I'm curious, like, were you initially just putting the two of your savings and your own money into it? Or did you initially seek out investors before launching? Yeah, I would say, and this could also be like maybe a, a good point for the listeners too. So originally we both put in a bit of our own personal capital to get it started, but actually never ended up using it. And that was primarily due to like us focusing on social media first. We built a lot of interest way before we had a product. And then when we realized, hey, we have a lot of interest, let's see if anyone's willing to buy it. We did a pre-sell, which ended up selling what our initial inventory run was going to be anyways. And with that money, we used to like fund that initial inventory run and to then also fund the growth. Um, so I, I have a lot of friends that reach out. They're like, hey, I have this XYZ idea, but I don't have the capital to start. And the thing I probably tell them is like, hey, yeah, if you think you don't have the capital to start or you can't do it, you probably won't. But if you think of like, how can I? I'm sure you'll problem solve and figure it out because there's so many tools and resources out there. And even, I mean, the cost to start companies has come down significantly. I, I guess to sum it up, we put some capital in and actually never ended up using it. 
I just think a lot of people nowadays think you need to have all this money or capital to start a business or get investors to start it. But in reality, social media is such a powerful tool and it's so easy just to put your ideas out there. Even if you have no followers or anything, put your ideas out there. And if you see interest, even if it's just, if it's just from like friends and family, you can see if it makes sense to start the business and then maybe you need to pivot to something else. But a lot of times I feel like there are fairly like easy solutions or there are solutions out there to, to start something with, with no money. And we were definitely like very fortunate with that. The worst thing you could do is not try, right? Yeah, for sure. Can you walk me through the timeline of when you started the business to when you launched your first presale? Yeah, so we really started working, probably I'd say really started working on the business January 2021. Mm -hmm. May of 2021, we did a pre-sale and then we shipped out those orders uh, June of 2021. Nice. Well, I'd love to learn a little bit more about like the formulation and testing process that you went through to create a drink mix that checked all the boxes that you were looking for to soothe your hangover symptoms. The way it actually originally started was uh, there was a place in California that specialized in formulation production and also ready to drink cans. And our initial product was actually going to be a can. So we like talked to so many different companies before we were like set on them just based on their uh, prior experience. And they helped us really uh, come up with a formula based on like what we wanted it to achieve. So it's more or less of us saying like, hey, we want a formula to do X, Y, Z. What ingredients should we put in there and what varying amounts can we put in there to like maximize it for this specific use case? That took months. But during that timeline, we were actually going to do a ready to drink can. And we realized our formula and our can wouldn't be shelf life stable. And we had the option to either switch out packaging from a can to like a carton glass or to go the powder stick route. And we always envisioned a powder stick as like a V2 of a product anyway. So just really... Now, looking back, it was like a blessing in disguise. It just helped expedite that like production timeline to V2. Mm, okay. So that's why the social media handle is Waterboy Can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That and some like painter has it on Instagram. Try to get it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, random kid has it on TikTok. But yeah, nice. that's like Waterboy Can. A lot of people think it's like a Waterboy Can help you or like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like your hangover. Yeah. But no, it's just, it was actually supposed to be a can. Interesting. Well, that's definitely a blessing in disguise, as you said, to skip the can and go directly to the drink mix, especially if that was already something that you had envisioned for the company. But I'm sure that dealing with shelf stability and also shipping costs being more economical was a big plus as well. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think to us, it's a it's a win-win too. It's not just like a win for us because it's more economical uh, in terms of shipping storage. But if you think for the end consumer too, the majority of time people have access to water. So why should they pay extra for water that they already have when you could just give them the formula? And mm -hmm. then there's environmental impact too, right? Like if you're not just in terms of like the materials of a can, also the storage, the weight of it, the trucks that are needed to move it, it's there's way less of a footprint uh, versus the, the can route. So I think- it's probably a win-win across the board. I mean, there is something nice sometimes of having a can already mixed and just cracking it open. But if we can pass some of the cost savings to the customer and still achieve the same objective, then it's like helpful on both for sides. Sure. Well, you talked about how the idea for Waterboy came when products like Pedialyte and Liquid IV just weren't cutting it for you. How does your product differ from Liquid IV and what makes it the better choice? Yeah, so I'd say like Liquid IV was probably one of the pioneers in the space and it did a really good job at creating one product that applies to like all these different use cases. So whether like you're going on a plane, whether you're dehydrated, it like really anchored themselves as hydration. But to me, it was more of a, okay, a 
predominant use case for me when I take a look at IVs around hangovers. And if I made a general product, I maybe wouldn't add ingredients that we would add to help with like nausea and like fatigue or anxiety because we're more specific to that where as they aren't. Mm -hmm. um, so I think one main differentiator is in the product and like the intent. Going off of what Mike said, we've really tried to add like function into hydration, whereas a lot of these companies have made very specific or like general hydration products. We we're trying to maybe more target specific functional use cases. And then if you look at liquid IV, basically 70% of what you're buying is sugar. So there's 11 grams of sugar in the 16 gram packet. We essentially took that out, added three times the electrolytes, uh, no sugar, ginger for stomach nausea, L-theanine to kind of help cure your anxiety, and then um, some vitamin B and C. Those kind of are more specifically targeting hangover specific needs that you might have versus liquid IV is just like kind of a general hydration skew that you can take for anything, but it's not, I guess, like the most effective thing that you can take for a hangover. You also have a sports recovery formula, which we've talked a little bit about. How long after your initial product did you launch your second? Say probably a year. Yeah, it was about a year after when we launched it. Um, I think we started developing it maybe 10, eight to 10 months after. What we found is that a lot of people were taking the hangover product for working out or going on a hike or something like that, just for other hydration use cases. And a lot of people were asking for maybe a more sports athletic specific product. And so we kind of just went to the drawing board, worked with, um, you know, some, some food labs and food scientists to develop it and um, came up with the current product that we, we have now. Mm -hmm. What has the feedback been like for both of your products from your customers? It's great. We're a fairly new company, a little over a year out, but we've gotten already a lot of traction on social media. But in addition to that, I mean, even if you look at our reviews on our website or Amazon, they're like overwhelmingly great just based on function alone. That's awesome. How does it feel to see all of that positive feedback? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a cool feeling um, because before I worked in software, so normally I don't really get to see someone use my end product. I can look at analytics, but I don't really get to see someone use it. Mm -hmm. Whereas like now, sometimes I'll be out in Austin on like rainy street and I see one of our packets and, you mm -hmm. know, cool feeling to see someone <laughs> use it. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious about like the growth that you've had in the year that you've been in business. Can you give listeners a rundown of like what your team and facility look like today compared to when you first started? Our team is actually like fairly small, our core team. It's fairly small and we're like pretty efficient, but we still rely on like other help. So to like take you top down, we have a production facility that makes a product and that has since we started changed to like a larger facility that can support making more products faster. After the products are made, they go into another facility where they get shipped out to customers. What we started with originally was a lot smaller and now we're in like two different warehouses across mm -hmm. the US. And the sizes of those warehouses have changed. And then we've added team members because for the longest time, it was just Connor and I. We added an intern to the team who now is a full-time hire. And then we also recently added another full-time hire. So our team, I would say, is doubled in size. We're still fairly small compared to like the output that we're, we're doing. And I think that's primarily on leveraging help where we need it around production and fulfillment and like other areas. And uh, I mean, now we have a a nice office here in Austin, but for the longest time we were just working out of like the local coffee shop 
down the street. And then when we first launched too, we were pretty ambitious and thought we could send out all the orders on our own. And it took four straight days of packing 2000 to 4,000 plus orders just between Mike and I. So we've, we've definitely come a long way since we've been in business. So it's been exciting to kind of be a part of it and watch, watch all the growth. Congrats. That's exciting too, to like have full-time members, part of your team. You said it's small, but it's still, I'm sure, huge impact and difference compared to just the two of you having to wear all the hats. And I'm sure you don't miss packing all those boxes by yourself. <laughs> I, I, I still like doing it sometimes, you know, I'll catch myself packing some orders every every once in a while, but <laughs> just not all of them. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not all, not all of them. What has it been like to lead your team during this startup journey? Yeah, I was, I was actually going to get into that uh, with your last question. I think for Mike and I both, it has been a bit of an adjustment. Uh, I feel like it's one thing working for yourself and not having employees or even like working at a big financial firm and having people direct you to then still doing the work that we have to do and also directing other people. It's been a work in progress. I feel like both of us have gotten a lot better at being leaders in a way. We definitely have a long way to go. I'm not going to say we're perfect, but I think we have a good balance between the two of us as well, just in like our different managing styles and stuff that has like balanced out really nicely. It's hard because when you first start, you're so used to doing everything yourself. Then you're like, okay, this business is outgrowing me. So unless I can use the help of others, it would only be so big. And then relinquishing control in areas that you feel like you're not as good at or areas that maybe you're good, but take up too much of your time or you, other people can do a better job at is figuring out like how to fit people in the right pieces and give them the opportunity to succeed and give them the right like coaching, but also allow them to like grow on their own too. It's, it's, it's definitely a tough balance. And obviously we're not experts on it by any means, but I would say the, the growth is uh, trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, I love the transparency. I think stepping into a leadership position, whether it's your own company or like at a regular nine to five is never easy. So it's important to be patient with yourself and know that good leadership just doesn't happen overnight. It's a progress and it definitely takes time. For sure. Well, your brand has really leveraged social media marketing to grow your consumer base and you have a really fun and bold approach to it. Can you tell me how you've leveraged TikTok and Instagram to raise brand awareness and boost sales. Yeah, I mean, I would say both Connor and I had the same idea, um, and we were eye to eye with, hey, what platforms are there out there where can we can really leverage them to expand their reach? And we were maybe somewhat early. I don't know if I would call it early, but in 2021, we decided, hey, TikTok is this platform because regardless of how big or small of a company we are, it's performance-based. So if the creatives are good and people engage with them and they like them, they have opportunity to reach millions. Whereas on some other platforms, it felt like your reach is only as big as like your channel. Mm-hmm. And from the start too, one of our like core principles was like, while we'll take our products seriously, we won't take ourselves too seriously. At the end of the day, we want to have like, we're selling a lifestyle and we want to make hydration fun. So I think a lot of that has translated in our content, whereas like maybe certain brands wouldn't lean into as much or would be afraid to be like too risky and too edgy and need to be safe across the board and like talk to everyone. We realized like we'd rather talk to a specific group of people and do it in our own way that's fun to us. And we'd rather have like 10% of people love us than like 99% feel very lukewarm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think I would add, just when we started it, we viewed content just being so incredibly important to being successful in the business. And it was almost like, how can we make what we're doing essentially like a media company that has a great product? And so we've kind of kind of led with that strategy in a way. And I think a lot of companies in our space, you commonly see them just posting on Instagram or whatever other social media sites, these aesthetically pleasing photos. And to me, it's more of like, um, like an aspirational brand or like a brand image versus I think we've really tried to be a lot more relatable. And I think you can see that in a lot of the content we post, whether it's Mike talking to the camera being like, hey, you know, I used to drink Pedialyte and get hungover and whatever, like that is something that customers can relate to really well. And they almost just feel like they're FaceTiming a friend versus just looking at some random photo of a brand that doesn't really relate to them that much. Yeah, or a brand where they don't even know like who started it, what's the story behind it, who is selling me this. I think that is part of what makes your brand really authentic is you two are kind of at the forefront of talking to your customers directly and letting them know like, why you created this product and why they would benefit from it. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And I think that has honestly allowed us to build a really, really great community of customers. And, um, you know, truly they kind of are like along for the ride with us with this whole thing that the ones that have been here since day one and have just joined. So it's exciting to kind of have everyone be a part of it and, um, you know, truly feel like instead of having customers, it's almost like a, like a giant water boy family. Nice. Well, what goes into brainstorming some of the unique video content and posts that your brand shares on social? Honestly, I feel like we've tried to put more structure to it recently and have like brainstorming sessions and like a weekly brainstorming session. And then it's like, okay, this is what we're going to do next week. These are all the ideas. I think in practice, that sounds really good. But I think in the past, it's just been like very spontaneous you know we'll come into work one day be like hey i have this idea let's do it um and some there'll be some days where we're like very creative and energetic and get a bunch of stuff done there'll be other days or like several days in a row where we won't do anything um so that is something we're trying to like add more structure to to where we can have more consistent output with it and we're starting to put some pieces in place to where we can do that um but, but i will say it's like tough to force creativity so we are trying to like, and this is still a bit of a work in progress, but almost make like the office environment, the team environment, everything to where it's conducive to helping people be creative and helping foster that, you know, environment where people want to make content all the time. Yeah, that makes sense. That seems like the most organic way to go. Mm-hmm. Are you selling your products exclusively online right now? And if so, do you plan to maintain or change your distribution strategy at all in the future? Right now we're selling it predominantly on our website and some on Amazon. And that was intentional because while you're like new and you're getting started, it helps to have that relationship with the customer directly online because you're able to ask them questions, you're able to iterate, you can see analytics, you can own that process a little bit more. Obviously our product is one that sometimes people don't plan ahead. They're not like, oh, two weeks from now, you know, I have XYZ event. Sometimes they want it very last minute. So to be in retail, we do think it's very important. It's not whether we should be or not. It's just a matter of when. And I think now our initial focus was, hey, let's make sure we can build this relationship with customer. We can iterate on our product, change it for their feedback, get this community of people. And now we can take this and leverage 
in, in terms of getting into retail and maybe getting better terms or getting into the right retailers? I'm sick and tired of seeing liquid IV on the shelf everywhere. So I'm going to start moving it over and just putting Waterboy in there. I can picture funny social content of like your big Waterboy mascot inside retail stores. That would be so fun. Oh, yeah. Just like shaking us head, disappointed if someone else yeah. is picking up a competitor. Or, like or a just like knocking over the liquid IV yeah. off the shelf. <laughs> No, I, we have like a ton of content ideas when it comes to uh, when we're in retail and we're excited for those. Nice. What would you say has been the most difficult part of starting Waterboy that you've had to overcome? I don't know if I have like a single instance that's difficult because things come up and you kind of just like learn to pivot or roll through it. For example, originally we had a whole can design and our whole branding was Waterboy can. We had this idea that we we're going to launch in a ready to drink can. And we received an email that we couldn't. And within like two days, we already pivoted and we had mock-ups for a powder stick supplement. We went that route. So that was like a fairly important turning point. I, I think there's been like a, a few of those, whether they've been like su supply chain logistics produ production hiccups, and then you just learn how to work or, or like around it and just get through it. When we first started, especially in the production end, um, there were a lot of like pain points and frustrating situations. I remember I was golfing one day when we found out our production facility didn't want to make it anymore. And I did not finish that round of golf because <laughs> I was just like very, very mad. Yeah. So it's like a lot of different situations like that that was very stressful. But I think you go through a lot of those pain points that ultimately find like a more, a better system. So I, we're very fortunate to have like gotten to a better place now to where a lot of those things come a lot easier. And what about the most rewarding part of the startup journey for you so far? I would say it's just like customer feedback and kind of seeing, you know, all the different lives you've been able to impact and people that have tried it. It's just so cool to even see like people that I knew in college or from home and people that I see out in the street that have tried Waterboy before and they're like talking about it and they don't even know it's like, oh, I'm like, I'd help start it you know mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of cool to just like see that stuff and then I think too once we do get into retail stores I just know that that's going to be a very cool experience to like walk into a Whole Foods a Target Walmart and be like hey I like I helped make that thing I would say same thing for me too and there's like some instances where you're like reminded of it I think sometimes we don't necessarily like dwell or not dwell but look at a lot of like milestones we kind of just like roll through because a lot of times we're just trying to like get her tasks done for the next couple of weeks um, just because there's been like so much growth and trying to just stay afloat. But I think one instance for me was I was at a 4th of July like pregame and I was at like a person's house that they didn't know who I was and I didn't know them. And I was just happened to be wearing a waterboy hat and they're like, oh, where'd you get that hat? I was like, oh, it's like my companies are like a friend and I started they're like, oh, no way. Like we have some of this product ran out in our cabinet. Like we t drink this all the time. So just instances like that where you're reminded of someone you don't know at all that is like interacting with your product to me is probably the coolest mm -hmm. yeah actually that, you bring up a good point too I feel like we definitely don't celebrate a lot of the milestones I mean we had what I think in October or it might have been September we had like one of our biggest sales months or the first month that we passed a certain threshold of of sales and I remember Mike texted me like, hey, hey, big guy, like, you know, or uh, he texted me that. And then I think I didn't respond. And he's like, can I get like a woo? Big <laughs> and I, I don't know. I think it's kind of been like that for a while. We, there was a certain point this past year where we surpassed selling a million sticks of product. And I think we didn't even realize it until like two months later. Um, 
so I think we're all just focused more so on like the greater goal. Mm-hmm. And I think definitely probably celebrate like the little milestones along the way more. But um, I, I love that we are kind of just focused on like that, that greater, you know, goal and just are like pushing towards that. Yeah. Well, when you're growing so fast, I would imagine it is hard to like keep track of every little win when you're also putting out, you know, little fires here and there. But um, mm-hmm. it's cool to see how how much you guys have grown in just a short amount of time. And I'm curious, like looking ahead, we we did talk about like future retail expansion, but can you discuss any future goals, upcoming plans or events that your customers should know about? We probably can't give like really anything away on the product end. I mean, the whole idea or the vision of the company, it's, hey, let's make hydration functional and let's make the company fun and let's make it available so it's easy for people to order. I mean, that would be kind of like the hierarchy of it. Within that, you know, there's like, uh, you know, like flavor launches, new product extensions, cool collaborations with creators, brands, like fun events planned. There's like a, a lot of those celebrations as well mm-hmm. as like fun things to do. Um, but I would also say like we have this like vision where we want everything to go, but we're also so focused on like a lot of times like a month or two out or even like weeks out that we've just almost been like on this like grind mode and then like other areas too where probably like a little excited is just like add more team members that can like contribute in other areas you two seem to have a really great friendship so I just have to ask like what is your favorite part of working in this business with each other (laughs) I I think one thing I like about Mike a lot and it's funny because he says this all the time he always says I'm just curious. Hey, I don't know about said it once this whole time. Uh, I don't know. Well, you're the one getting interviewed here. You're not asking. <laughs> but I, I think that is like a great testament to Mike's like work ethic and personality a little bit. He's always just very curious about everything. And I think that has led to like a lot of things that I would never even think of. Like the other day he was thinking about like direct mail and just like all these different things. It's like, how in the world, like, you know his brain kind of like goes all over the place but it all like connects to this greater goal so it's it's like really interesting working with him and being a part of that um because i think like a lot of the stuff that we've been able to do would have never happened had this been a different person so i think like his curiosity has led to just like a lot of amazing things happening and i feel like it's allowed me to like be more creative and curious myself too and everyone else that works here also i love that that's so nice I mean, yeah, I think we do a good job at balancing each other out. I mean, even like some sometimes like our like management style and everything. Cause yeah, like I'm, I, I'm more of like a good cop kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. The bad I have to be bad cop. But sometimes too, I'm like drinking just like caffeine <laughs> and I'm just like ready to go or like anxious. And I feel like Connor has like a more uh, calming presence or more of like a probably better for company culture. Probably put it that way or just like generally more calm and like steady and uh, like a bigger bigger picture where sometimes I get like caught up in the details and I'm just like anxious and like ready to go and impatient so I think we probably do a good job of balancing each other out there I mean I do think we see a lot eye to eye on a lot of things and in other areas like we'll we'll find the common ground yeah I yeah I will say I feel like a lot of people when they start businesses getting like fights and stuff and whatever and I'm sure there's been times where we both been frustrated with each other never 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 met we probably haven't admitted that to each other but I will say, I think we like put that aside and like, again, it's just working towards like the greater goal. And I really don't care. Like, you know, if things don't go my way in the moment, I might get like frustrated about something, but like 
I'll wake up tomorrow and be fine. So I I think that has been nice. Like we kind of like put our egos aside a little bit. Sounds like a dynamic duo for sure. By the way, when whenever like customers see your water boy mascot on social, is that like could be any given person on your team inside that costume? Yeah, can't can't say it's it's a, it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't even know if any of our team members are inside of the mascot. Yeah. I think just the mascot. It's just, is. He just is. He just life. yeah. He just is. Okay, good to know. Well, finally, I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So, what is your biggest piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs? I think for me, and this is also a little bit fresh on my mind because I had someone ask not the question, but for help the other day is that they had an idea and they weren't, they didn't want to share. And they also wanted me to sign an NDA. And I was like, wait a second, like one, I don't want to be limited to an NDA. I don't even know what your idea is and I might already have it, et cetera. But I was like, also, I think a lot of people are scared to share their idea. And I think more upside can come in the feedback you get, whether it's feedback from entrepreneurs, whether it's feedback from customers and how to pivot and make sure you have traction before spending like a dime on anything. I think way more comes from that than this like fear that, someone's going to steal my idea and maybe, you know, in certain areas, there's really proprietary things and they should be safeguarded. But I think a lot of people too, maybe they watch the social network movie and they get scared to share their idea and they think their idea is the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, people can help you refine it and can help you execute it. So I think people that have ideas should probably do a better job sharing them and finding like-minded people they can bounce those off of. I would agree with that one. I think just going off of what I said about Mike, I think being curious as a entrepreneur is super helpful. Um, just like thinking about all the different things that can happen within a business. And then I think it's helpful thinking of ideas too. So that's one thing. And then I think too, and it's almost like how we created this business, but I think the best business ideas come from solving problems that you're having yourself. So in my past business, I was having trouble sleeping. So I made a sleep gummy to help me. In this one, Mike would have violently terrible hangovers and he made a product to help with that. So I think like a lot of times it's almost like taking a step back and looking at issues that are happening in your own life. What is something I can take to solve this? Does it exist? Does it not exist? Can I make it better? And then actually like seeking that out and being curious and like finding a solution to it. Great advice from you both. And thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Before I let you go, can you please let everyone know where they can keep up with you and Waterboy online and on social media? Yeah, so it's just waterboy.com for the website and at waterboycan for all the handles. And then if you go on those, you'll find their own personals too in there. Thank you so much to Mike and Connor for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next time for a new episode of Office Chats.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 